This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tom Offerman. And, Tom, we have breaking news as we tape today on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, the semifinalists for the new Pro Football Hall of Fame class have been announced, and two Steelers are among them. Uh, Heinz Ward and James Harrison. Uh, 28 semifinalists have been named. They'll be whittled down to a finalist class of 15. I don't think either guy's going to make it. Uh, what say you? I, I, I do think each has something to hang his hat on, but will fall short. I don't think either guy will make it either. I think that they're that last rung before Hall of Fame good, you know, that Hall of Very, Very Great, but just not at that elite level to get in. Well, now, all, but all, the, all Halls of Fame or Halls of Very Good I was just going to say that. They let a lot of people in, so maybe that's going for them. Yeah, I, I don't know. You'd still have to, like, take the bar down even lower. I mean, because with Heinz Ward, his stats don't cut the mustard. Nope. Uh, people remember how he pathetically hung on to get to 1,000 catches, which, which doesn't invalidate him having gotten a thousand catches, but people do remember, and nobody cares that he's the best blocking Block. <laughs> wide receiver ever. Like outside of Pittsburgh, nobody cares about that. Uh, if you know, because they campaign for these things in the meetings of the voters. Yes, and like if the Pittsburgh guy who used to be Ed Bouchette, I I think it might be Dale Ollie. It might now. be Ollie now. I think. Yeah, if he goes in there and says, "Oh, what a great blocker he was," they're gonna you know flip him off in that meeting because nobody cares. But one thing I will say for both is that each has something to hang his hat on, namely Hines Ward being a Super Bowl MVP and James Harrison with his 100-yard interception return to win that Super Bowl for the Steelers against Arizona. I mean, it wasn't the the, the defining moment. Uh, maybe it was, but people remember more of the pass from Ben yes. to Santonio because it was at the death. But, but each guy does have something to refer to. I just don't know if it's enough. Harrison had a good career. It was a short prime, That's the but thing. it was an impressive prime. The longevity wasn't there for James Harrison for him to be a nailed-on Hall of Famer, but you're right. He burned extremely bright in the few years that he was at the top of the game, and he won Defensive Player of the Year. It's interesting that both have iconic Super Bowl moments. Ward was on the receiving end of the trick play pass, so he didn't have you know the biggest grunt of the matter. There well, was right, more on he, Randall but he, L. But he was the MVP of that game. He was the MVP of that game. 
James Harrison, one of the better plays in Super Bowl history, only overshadowed, like you said, by Ben's great pass to San Antonio at the end. So they have those Super Bowl moments. They have that Super Bowl MVP for Hines, the Defensive Player of the Year for James Harrison. But again, I think they just fall a tick too short. Just right at the finish line, they're going to fall down. And that's part of the fun, because I like that Hines, you know, gets the carrot dangled. And, and you know, because <laughs> he's such an egomaniac, he believes... He he, going to make it Every sooner or later, the year, right? Right, right. But I don't think he ever will. James Harrison, I'd be curious to 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 know how James Harrison feels about you know wanting to get in the Hall of Fame. I bet he cares a lot less than Hines anyway. I know we're not believers in either of them getting in, but if they said you had to choose which one was more worthy, I think I would lean more towards James Harrison. That's a tough one. But I think I would lean towards James Harrison. I think that his Super Bowl play was a little bit more impactful. I mean, he's a 100-yard interception It's arguably the greatest Super Bowl play in history. And he did win that Defensive Player of the Year. So Hines gets the Super Bowl MVP, most valuable player in that game. But Harrison was the most valuable player defensively for an entire season. If I had to pick one, I probably would pick Harrison. If I had to pick one to come close over and over again, I would definitely pick Hines because it just, you know, angers him. But, uh, okay, so I don't think either gets in this year, do you? No, neither's getting in this year. Does either ever get in? No. I'm going to predict none of them get in. Both what, of them. what if they open up the books for the equivalent of an extra class like when Cower got in after the pandemic, which they might not do unless we have another pandemic. They did that to kind of jumpstart interest in the hall. The problem with these guys, though, is that, you know, wide receivers are getting better and better. Like, the longer that they stay not in the Hall of Fame, more players are going to become eligible to be in the Hall of Fame that are better than a him at wide receiver. The numbers get higher and higher yes. because we're in more than ever now a passing era. Yeah, so if he wants to get in, Heinz Ward I'm speaking about, it would probably have to be now because he's going to get further and further down the list numbers-wise as these freaks start to retire and qualify for the Hall. You think Antonio Brown will ever get in? No, but he deserves it. I think he's got the numbers. Again, another one where longevity wasn't there, but he burned really bright, but he's never getting in. You think his nuttiness will chase people away? Yeah, he's not getting in. I think they fear what he would do on the stage (laughs) when he got inducted. You don't have to let him make a speech, do you? Yeah, I think so. You have to? Yeah, I mean, you, you get can't presented. Like, you're in, but you're not coming. You're not allowed in. You're, <laughs> yeah. You personally aren't allowed to step foot in Canton, but your bust will be here. Yeah, I, I think he probably makes it, but that'll be a, a real interesting debate when the time comes. Uh, now, I want to move on to the uh, to the current Steelers. Well, first, let's talk a little World Cup, because uh, one of my top three lists for today is the top three U.S. soccer players of all time. Nice. And I've used a different criteria. Number one is Brad Friedel, goalkeeper, played 18 years in the Premier League. Number two is Tim Howard, goalkeeper, played 15 years in the Premier League. Number three is Clint Dempsey, midfielder, played eight years in the Premier League. And is Fulham's all-time leading scorer in the Premier League with an even 50 goals. I don't care how Landon Donovan played in MLS or in the CONCACAF qualifiers. I do know he was a bum in Europe where they play proper football. (laughs) So if we're talking about who the best players are, Europe is my proving ground, and it's Friedel, Howard, and Dempsey. But you do have to think that Donovan played well in the World Cup games that he played as a Team USA member, How'd right? How'd they do? He got to the knockout stage once, right? That's good for American soccer. I think he might even got to a quarterfinal. But if that's the criteria, you know, who got to a, a, a lousy quarterfinal? I mean, he was a good player within the context right. he created for himself. Dempsey was clearly, and I was very young whenever, you know, they were playing, but he was clearly the best player on those Team USA teams in the 2012 World Donovan Cup. Donovan went to Germany, was a washout, yeah. went to England, was a washout. So I, I can't rank him above those three. Pulisic's been better than Donovan in European play, right? 
He was pretty good in Dortmund, yeah. Right. Yeah. So just from that proven ground, at minimum, he's been better than Donovan. Yeah. Put it this way. If you made me pick a player, Pulisic now or Donovan in his prime, yeah. no doubt I'd take Pulisic. Um, also this morning, like I said, we're taping Tuesday afternoon, Saudi Arabia upset Argentina. I didn't see it. You know why? I just thought there was no way Saudi Arabia could upset Argentina. <laughs> Not worth getting up at 5 in the morning to watch Argentina win what you figured would be like 4 nothing. I think this is big for live golf. <laughs> like, like it, it really heightens the sports watching. Like, Phil Mickelson's going to say, see? See? Two to one over Argentina. It's like when those small schools get really good at college basketball for a couple years straight, and then everybody knows who Loyola Chicago is. It puts them on the map. It's like Saudi's on the map sports-wise now. you got to watch out for Saudi. In golf and soccer, they'll sneak up and get you. Uh, the U.S. tied Wales. One thing, and I'm going to talk about this on my show, and I wrote a blog about it. The tie had all the... Anti-soccer American media said, how can a game end in a tie? Oh, it's miserable. Well, because that's the way the sport is. You can't play indefinitely because, you know, you run all the time and there's not free substitution. You don't stop and start like baseball and football. You don't change lines like in hockey. People in America always want soccer to change to their vision. And America is a second-rate soccer nation. Why does it have any remote right. say? It was so predictable to see that happening on social media, and it's just miserable to see it happening. The ass of some people to be like, you know what, I'm the right one in this equation. And the sport that's been around since pretty much the invention of sport is wrong. It's the oldest team sport. They're wrong. Except for war. They don't know what they're talking about. And and soccer simulates war, like every sport. Every sport simulates war. The The goal is to take territory from the opposition. I saw people complaining about, you know, oh, what's with the draw and you only get one point, you should play to winner. I saw people complaining about the penalty, which was a clear and obvious penalty. But yeah, they, obvious penalty. But their argument was, yeah, but he wasn't going to really score there. It wasn't like he took That's away a clear scoring chance. That's why you don't commit the foul. It's, he took the ball with back to goal. And, and guys in the area, you, you just play defense. But they're like, that's not, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. He shouldn't get a, a free kick for that. Of course he should. That's the rule. He tackled him inside the box. Yeah, it, it was an obvious foul. Uh, U.S. now with their work cut out for them because it's going to come down to goal differential. But, but you know, a draw is a draw. If that's the result at the end of 90 minutes, then then that's the result. So uh, now it's who can suck less against England between us and Wales, right? Or who can, who can score more against Iran. <laughs> right. You'd think the U.S. would be... Motivated in a game against Iran, you know, history and all, uh, a traditional rival. Uh, okay, getting to the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers are now screwed beyond debate and imagination. Where do they go from here emotionally? Because I can't remember the last time they were this out of it this early. I don't know how they're going to be able to stay invested into this season, especially after dropping that. It's felt it felt like they had so many last stands and that the Bengals game was the last, last stand, last gasp yeah, for air. Yeah, you're right. And it's completely gone now. So it's going to be interesting to kind of get a, a temperature on some of these players. Is Deontay going to be a quitter? Is Pickens going to be a quitter? We don't know. He's never had a bad season, I can imagine. He went to Georgia at college. He's been winning his entire career. It'll be really interesting to see how Tomlin manages the locker room here. But I kind of have a feeling I know which way it's going to go. There's going to be a lot of lazy play down the stretch. If there already know. hasn't been lazy play. I'm not sure about that. You don't Do think you... they'll quit? I, I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know because, again, they haven't been in this position yeah, Boy, dating back to, I think, when Cowher missed the playoffs those three years in a row. Now, uh, Deontay is an interesting case because he's going to implode. He's not getting the ball. Tomlin at his press conference said, well, he's covered. We can't get to the ball. Well, gee whiz. Does that mean you don't you know, worry about Deontay and just throw him out there as a decoy? And how come he can't get open? A.B. got open. 
Heinz Ward got open. I mean, if you're the number one receiver, you get open. If you're making $18 million a year, like Deontay is, you get open. I mean, what Tomlin said was such horse manure. Yeah. This is on Deontay to get open, or it's a problem that Pickett's not seeing him. It, it doesn't have the confidence to throw the ball to him in coverage and let him make a play. And I personally think that it is the latter there, that it's Pickett not seeing him in the most case, and that Deontay is open, and Tomlin's just kind of trying to protect his quarterback there. But in doing so, kind of also throws his wide receiver under the bus. If you're one of the rare few that got oh, a... Oh, I, se- I don't know that he throws Deontay under the bus. I, I mean, thought he made him look like a big cheese by drawing all the coverage. But you should beat all that coverage if you're the number 1 wide receiver, and you get a second contract, which is rare for Steelers to give to a wide receiver. Which was a mistake. Who said so? Me. That's who. So yeah, I, I, I don't think maybe he didn't think it was throwing him under the bus, but I interpret that as, hey, our number one wide receiver just can't get open. And if he's saying, well, the coverage just dictates that he's not open because people plaster him, dude, get open. Well, You're number way, one. Just the way Tomlin said it was like, ah, gee whiz, he can't Throw the get hands open. up in the air. What are you going to do? Forget about 18. Uh, now, uh, Pickett was okay in the first half against Cincinnati, awful in the second half. Uh, Pickett hasn't yet topped Trubisky's second half against Tampa. No, he came close in the first half against Cincinnati, but he did still miss some throws. Trubisky was just so efficient in that game against Tampa Bay. By, by the way, I hear he is seething. Really? I hear he, well, he was lied to. There's no doubt he, no was, lied he was lied to. No question he was lied to. Here, here's what I heard. And he was pulled out too early. No here's, question. Here's what I heard just today, which I'll talk about more on the show. I hear he was told that he had the job at least through the bye week. That he had until then to prove himself. That and they sense. had until then to get picket ready. And that Tomlin reneged on it. And that Trubisky... Far from feeling like he was beat out, just feels like he's hard done by. Well, one of the many things that you've been spot on about, as always, has been as the, always has been the fact that they they turned to pick it way too early and a bit of a panic move against the Jets. And you know that's what I think more and more people who are always behind the curve of you will catch on to as the season drags on, as the season wraps up. There was just no need to make that switch in that Jets game, but once you did, you couldn't go back. And, well, you and could. Screwed. You could do anything you want. Yeah, but it would. They, they would. Let me rephrase it. They were not going to go back once they did that. The Jets are. It looks like the boy toy. You think Flack, I think Flacco should play. I know you love him, but he but no, really no, thinks. Well, he he screwed the pooch when he wouldn't take yeah. responsibility for playing bad in that loss to New England. Fourteen straight losses to New England by the Jets. It's just such an easy thing to do, right? Just get up there and lie, even if you don't believe it. Yeah, I stunk. Our defense is well, great. He 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 didn't have to lie. He stunk. <laughs> um, how about when nobody was there for Pickett's handoff? Najee had the wrong play. He went to block, and, and then Spillane missed that tackle on Perrine's second touchdown. They're like blowing all the basics. That's the most aggravating part, and to me, reflects on them being badly coached. Well, it's been that way all year too. I mean, think of all the illegal procedure penalties they've had. I think almost every game they've had an ineligible man downfield. Uh, you're right. It's just the discipline nature of the game that they're sorely, sorely lacking in. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback get a false start. But he absolutely false started on that play. Like he called for the snap and he flinched a little too aggressively. It was awesome. It was, I've never seen that before. Anything that's the first of its kind, I want to see. I think it's a combination of a rookie quarterback and poor coaching, and that's always going to lead to these pre-snap penalties. And just an environment where everybody's rattled because they suck. Very well said. And they didn't think they would suck. That's part of it, too. They never entertained the possibility until it happened. Oh, no. They thought they'd at least be in this until week 16, week 17. If there was going to be a white flag, it was that week 18 game in their minds. Am I wrong to blame the defense as much as I do? Because they allowed 37 points in two drives of over 90 yards, including a 93-yard march in the fourth quarter when the game was clearly on the line. 
No, the defense was the main culprit in losing to the Bengals. I mean, I know the offense had its train wreck of a second half, but at the end of the day, you still put up 30 points. I mean, that's the most you've put up by far all season long. You can't give up 37 points. You can't give up a back-breaking drive like that, 93 yards to end the game for for the Bengals. I, I know that the offense puts a lot on the Steelers' defense plate, but elite defense are supposed to absorb that. They're making and, and, 108 million. Yes, they're supposed they to be able to absorb that. They have three guys who have eight All Pros between them. They have six first round draft picks. Those expectations being lumped on them because of the offensive struggles aren't unfair, based on the personnel on that side of the ball. Watts playing well, but his numbers aren't there. It's not like he's he's racking up sacks. But that that pick was unbelievable. Yeah, second time he's done that to that same quarterback this and year. And when they only got a field goal out of it, that was. That was the 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 bell tolling. Yes, I think that Tomlin even said that. Yes, for a change, he didn't lie. <laughs> that was the part of the game that it swung in the direction of the Bengals for sure. And then, of course, giving up the ninety-three yard drive was just a backbreaker. But you got to get seven points off of a momentum swing like that. You got to retake the lead off of something like that. You can't just fart out three plays and then kick a field goal and the Bengals go, "Well, we got away with that one." He made one of the most incredible plays we've ever seen, and we are still winning with the ball after that. They should have been flipping off T.J. Watt after the field goal. Like, nice yeah, work. Yeah, see what good it did? Pointing at the scoreboard. Um, now, now, here's the big matchup. Can Tomlin out-coach Jeff Saturday on oh. Monday? Saturday on Monday. I'm confused. He better out-coach Jeff Saturday or else it's going to be an insanely fun week of radio the next week in this town. Uh, that would be the first. Boy, what, what time do you live in? There's no such thing as a fun week of radio anymore. <laughs> Oh, there will be if Tomlin loses to Jeff Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think now, like the players, we're so knee-deep in misery that, that I think everything just has a negative bent to it. And on a good day, I have a negative bent to just about everything I say, but but now it's even getting me down. I mean, I think Jeff Saturday is really just going in there, being rah-rah, I'll give a good speech guy, I've got a lot of charisma, we're going to practice outside because it makes you tougher. That's a good coach's strategy right there. Did he say that? Yeah, that's what they've been doing in ah. Indy. But... I think he literally just handed the keys to the offense over to Matt Ryan, said, you've won an MVP before, just get us in and out of the huddle, make sure we look comparable as an offense, and the staff is taking care of the rest of it, and he's just kind of sitting back and being that CEO. So is it Tomlin losing to Saturday, or is it Tomlin losing to Matt Ryan and a hodgepodge of coaches on that staff? Okay, let's go to five guys. You have an excellent five guys plan this week. Tom, lay it on me. Today's five guys theme is cameos by athletes in movies. Right, and, and, and these are either really good or really bad. Yes. Now, the delineation was hard for me because there's a guy like, say, Dan Marino in Ace Ventura. I didn't include him in this list. I kind of qualify that as not a cameo, and he's just a main part of that movie. Oh, that's true. He was in there a bit more than, than just making a cameo. And the plot is driven massively by his kidnapping after Snowflake's Okay, kidnapping. fair enough. Dan Marino uh, canceled out for this. Who else you got? Number one, in ascending order, of course, so really number five, Derek Jeter and the other guys. Mark Wahlberg shot him in the hallway, the Yankee Clippers. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta admit, I popped when he got shot. So yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and it was Derek Jeter. He was like, I'm Derek Jeter, you shot me. <laughs> Which is exactly what he'd say if he got shot. No question. All right, number two, Cam Neely and Dumb and Dumber, Seabass. Yeah, Spitting I, on the burger. I wish old Samuelson could have run in and like popped him when, when he was gonna gonna rape Jim Carrey. That was a rather uh, controversial. I mean, or, I mean, men's room assault, come on. And then there was the scene prior to that, though, where they set him up, that scene up, though, where uh, Lloyd spilled, or no, what's the other character's name? It's Lloyd and, um, I can't believe I'm blanking How on can this. we not How know? can we not Jeff know? Jeff Daniels' character. Jeff Daniels' character. He spills the salt, and he says, you got to throw it over your left shoulder, but he throws the whole salt shaker at Cam <laughs> Neely. 
But then they, but then they, they stick they him with the bill. They set him up. Yeah, they say, they "We'll buy your the beers." Bill. Then go up to the waitress and say, "He's going to buy our tab." Make a boiler makers. <laughs> Number three, Mike Tyson in The Hangover, singing Phil Collins, just tremendous, tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. And when he when he does the thing where he hits the drums, like plays the air <laughs> drums and then pops. Yeah. Uh, what what's the fat guy's name? Uh, Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just pops him. And then afterwards, like Ed Helms saying, the champ still got it because <laughs> he beat up Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, right. Lance Armstrong and dodgeball. Did that lose any of its luster after he was found out to it be a did. cheater? It did a little bit, but I just watched dodgeball the other weekend. It's still a tremendous scene. And his delivery is good. Like, you know, I don't know where I'd be if I'd quit riding the bike right. after, you know, beating, like, name seven kinds of cancer. I thought of quitting once or twice before through my journey. But it's also great when he rattles off, like, Peter LaFleur's credentials. He's like, Peter LaFleur? Like, you're the captain of Average Joe's, the ADAA. I love it. I can't get enough of the Ocho. The Ocho, it's great. Okay, that's good. And he was good there. What's number one? And finally, I've got Kareem in Airplane. Roger Murdoch. Oh, when he ops himself as Kareem. <laughs> Who did he talk about dragging up and you down the court? You try dragging Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes a game and then tell your old man how it's like. And then when he when he passes out because he ate the bad food, yes. he's wearing his Lakers shorts. <laughs> it's also great, too. The kid reaches underneath him in the cockpit and pulls out just the basketball. And there's no, no dialogue to it. He just holds the basketball. It's like, what the? Why can't we think of Jeff Daniels' name know, in Dumb really and Dumber? bothering me. You, do you have your, you, I'm going to look it up right now. Lloyd Christmas and... I can't believe we're forgetting his name. I know. I know. Cause, I Lloyd mean, Christmas and Harry. Lloyd and Harry. Harry. Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn. Okay. Wow. I'm old. and yeah, know, I, have no, I have no excuse. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Um, okay. Uh, I, a Penguins item I want to go over briefly. Uh, there was a change on the power play at practice. And they're actually doing what I suggest, although they don't have quite the tools I would, I would require. I don't like Latang up top. I wish they would like trade for a Gonchar S guy or put Sid at the right circle to at least, you know, let him organize from there. But but they've kind of split the difference. Rust is off the top power play, and Latang is at the left half wall where I think he's most effective, and Jeff Petrie's up top. Um Petrie ain't Gonch, but I think he'll make fewer mistakes there than Latang. Slight and, upgrade. And, and he's a decent distributor of the puck. You talked about wishing they could get a guy like Gonch, and you're never going to get a guy like that. But it's still maddening to think that I, I think, and I think you might agree with this, the guy that's perfect for at least a tryout there is in the minors right now. Ty Smith. Yeah, and they we just think. can't get him up. Well, that's what I meant, tryout. Like, he might stink at it when you get out there, but I think it's worth a shot to plug him in there. Who would have ever thought Ty Smith would probably be sorry to leave New Jersey now? I watched them last night against Edmonton. They yeah. beat him 5-2. They decimated Edmonton. They left him in the dust. That's 13 straight wins now. I that's a, That ties a franchise record. I think it might be the 11th longest winning streak in NHL history. Incredible. It's going to be interesting to see if they know what time it is when it comes to the playoffs, but they got the speed to win the Cup, don't you think? I think it's too early for them to win the Cup. Uh, Eric Halla, who's on the team, uh, he was on the Vegas expansion team that made the final. He said there's a bit of a vibe like that. They don't have Flurry though. uh, Good point. They have uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, who sounds like an MTV VJ (laughs) from the 80s. Uh, And Rob Rossi said that that they remind him of the Penguins in 07-08 uh, when they made the final. So you know, uh, you know. Again, I don't know if, if and, and Flurry was the goalie then too. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they have the goaltender to do it. You're right, but do they trade for goalie at the deadline, or is there a goalie to even trade for at the deadline though? Like, oh, there's always one that'll push you over the top that way. Though I'm not sure if that exists right now, unless a team that was supposed to be good goes in the tank. 
Well, and it's hard to imagine with the goaltending shortage in the NHL, it's hard to imagine that uh, that that the teams with the good goalies would be out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, right. Like, that's just going to be the stabilizing force. If you have an above-average goalie, he's going to keep you alive. Or at least going to be in, in the race to, to grab a postseason spot. So, um, but but they're real good. And uh, the and Penguins, fun to watch. The Penguins play them. Yeah, I never saw those uniforms where they were fun to watch before. Uh, they play the Penguins in Pittsburgh on December 30th. Uh, that's going to tell a tale. And, and I think that will be a real measuring stick for where both teams are at. Who would have thought that the best way for the Penguins to beat the 2022 Devils might be to act like the 2001 Devils? Yeah, but we don't have Bredore. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> it always comes down to that goalie. Okay, now my, my second top three list is the top three bad places to have a major sporting event. Okay. Okay, one is Berlin in 1936, the Nazi Olympics. That's Very number, bad place, Number yes. one for sure. Number two is Qatar, the World Cup right now. Oh, it's just dreadful. Number three is Philadelphia or Detroit for anything. Makes a lot of sense, yes. But uh, Communist Moscow hosted an Olympics in 1980. Putin's Russia hosted a, a World Cup in 2018. Yeah, that was the last World Cup, right? It's been yeah. in Russia and Qatar. But there were no uh, no bad incidents at, at either of those uh, Russian events because they kind of know how to play the game. They can put up appearances a little bit. Like, they can put airs on and say, hey, we'll, we'll make it look like things are running normally well, more on the sure, surface. More make sure that nobody gets killed. You, you know, like... For like, at least these three weeks. Like, like Berlin, the Nazis really, you know, toned down by their standards yeah. what they do. And I, I don't say that flippantly. That just... I mean, they kept it under wraps. But, uh, but the same stuff was going on and the camera wasn't everywhere there. There wasn't, you know, phones with cameras. There wasn't social media. It is just funny that there is some pearl clutching going on with, you know, Qatari government and the people running the tournament going back on some of their promises. Well, I mean, what did you expect? Exactly. That's why it's hilarious to me. Like, it is awful, and you should always yell out how awful it is, but you can't act surprised. You can't. Well, that's like Grant Wall, the U.S. soccer writer. I saw that. He was wearing a... uh a One Love t-shirt, like the, the, the gay pride rainbow yeah, and type Yeah, had the thing. rainbow circle on it. And he got detained for 30 minutes by security and got told he had to change. What did he think was going to happen? Okay, and also, did Grant Wall go there to cover the World Cup or to campaign for social change? And, you know, he, he, you got to be careful because this is a, a convoluted comparison, but the U.S. women's national soccer team mm-hmm. were the most beloved sports team in America, and then they politicized everything, and now half the country hates them. No, that's a fair point, and you're right about Grant Wall. He knew exactly what he was doing there. He was going to get his Twitter viral moment, uh, and I'm not saying that he's not getting the viral moment at the feet of a good cause, but you knew that that wasn't going to be allowed into that specific stadium in that specific country. Well, the World Cup shouldn't be there. It, it shouldn't be there, yes. but it is now. And it's never going to stop being in corrupt countries. Well, it's it's never going to stop. You know, you're never going to stop oppressive regimes from doing what they want. Okay, like, you know, the beer thing where they pulled the plug on that. To me, it's not a big deal. But Qatar is a dry country. Alcohol's banned. What did they think was going to happen? Homosexuality is illegal, so Grant Wall can't wear that T-shirt. Uh, they use slave labor to build the stadiums. Don't act like any of that's going to change because you're there. That's their culture. I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending their culture. No, I know you're I don't, not. I don't expect it to change either. That's their culture. No, you have to examine places that are bidding for the World Cup and take what their current culture is into account. You can't, like you said, go there and then expect them to change to you. You should look at them and say, 
They're not a country that we want to do business with. You will not be getting a bid for the World Cup, no matter how much money you pay. But we're past that. It's too late. Well, and the bribery was just, it's just rampant. I'm sure, off the wall to get the World Cup because it's sports washing. How about the they rumor- have a bottomless pit of money. How about the rumors that the Qatari government or officials for Qatar bribed Ecuadorian players $7.2 million to throw that opening match? And the, well, I didn't the, see the, that. The report proved to be false. But like when you go into that game, you're kind of on edge. And then that weird offside happened. Which was offside, but it was a weird Ooh, one. I don't know. You to don't me, think it was offside? No, to me, that goal stands. And the first thing I thought was that okay, the fix is in for that's this right, one. That's right. And then it's like, oh boy, here we go. Maybe they did get bribed seven point two million, but well, then they just torched Qatar. Well, and we should remember that the Nazis bullied the U.S. That's right into not using two Jewish sprinters in the four by one hundred relay at the nineteen thirty six games in Berlin. That's how Jesse Owens got his fourth gold medal because he was a sub for one of the Jewish sprinters. I mean, that really happened. Yeah, and the U.S. bowed to them. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, you know, once you're there, you're there. And once you're there, they're in charge. Yeah, no question. It's it's absurd to think that they would bend towards you. You're, you're FIFA. You're, you're a sport. U.S. plays England on Black Friday. Who do you like? England. By how much? Probably like 3-1. to one. Oh, I'll, I'll be shocked we score one. Yeah, so 3-0. It'll either be 3-0 or, like, I could see, like, 6-1. It'll. Could you see it being one of those games where it's like nil nil, like to the thirty fifth minute, England scores one before halftime, and then the floodgates just open up in the second half. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see it being tied at the half, even. Well, USA is just going to play such a miserable game, too, right? Because they're just going to try to keep know. it close. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to get young guys like they have to play that kind of game and not attack, attack, attack. Just well, not attack, there. not play your normal game. Right. Okay. It's tough to get young guys to do scoring situation in an event like this. Um, the, the, to me, the amazing thing about England is Phil Foden doesn't start. They're so good. Yeah, he's so good. And and uh, see, here's the thing: Kieran Trippier from uh, Newcastle is starting at right back ahead of Trent Alexander Arnold. And Trent only made the team because two other right backs, you know, got hurt. Right, Reese James and right, I can't right. remember the other one. And uh, Kyle Walker. Okay. I think Kyle Walker might still be there, but I don't. I don't think he's currently available. But like, here's the thing: even as a Liverpool fan who loves Trent. I can see why he doesn't start because he just blanks on defense sometimes. And it's such a tight margin in World Cup games that if you blank on defense, your team could be really screwed. I mean, look at the U.S. They made one mistake yep. against Wales, and, you and could now probably, they, could, they could be out of the tournament. You're not getting out of the group because of it. Yeah. Right, exactly. I, I could definitely see that happening. That is Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. You've been listening to the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Don't forget, bet now from anywhere. Qatar, Berlin in 1936. Bet now from anywhere, everywhere. Do it now. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.